I hereby declare Representative Justin Jones of the 57th Representative District expelled from the House of Representatives of the 113th Assembly of the State of Tennessee. One of your colleagues who was an admitted child molester sat in this chamber, no expulsion. One member sits in this chamber who was found guilty of domestic violence, no expulsion. We had a former speaker sit in this chamber who is now under federal investigation, no expulsion. We have a member still under federal investigation, no expulsion. We had a member pee in another member's chair in this chamber, no expulsion. Do you know why you're standing in the well today? Yeah, I believe that I'm here because you feel in your heart that it is right to persecute someone who has committed no crime, who has only broken what you call the house decorum rule, which according to section 19 of the house permanent rules of order say that at worst the thing that should happen is censure. But instead, you have brought forward a terrible resolution to deprive and disenfranchise thousands of people in Shelby County of a representative who will and can speak and advocate for them. And I believe, uh, Representative Farmer, that that is wrong. We called for you all to ban assault weapons, and you respond with an assault on democracy. You're listening to Facts and Friends. Welcome to this six foot three, 239 pound episode <laughs> of the Facts and Friends podcast. <laughs> so, sorry, what? Oh, really? Facts and Friends, do over. Welcome to this six foot one, 270 pound episode of the Facts and Friends podcast. That's more like it. <laughs> We've been waiting for so long for the real height and weight to come out. And finally, <laughs> it felt just as good as I thought it would. <laughs> it did. I was hoping the number would be a little higher. I'm good with this. This is fine. My name is Tino and joining me this week is my friend and co-host back from his two weeks off. <laughs> Most of you know him as Kansas's top rated child genital inspector, oh. but I know him as Judson. <laughs> Hello, Judson. Hi, Tino. Yeah, that's a job that's actually going to be uh, pretty in demand in, in Kansas. I just want to be clear that that is not an official rating. I'm not actually ranked <laughs> in that category. I'm not, pro- okay. I'm not a professional. <laughs> We're not going to go further down that road. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> That's a really good idea. Well, it's great to have you back. Did the Daily Wire thing fall through? The what now? Oh, nothing. Never mind. Uh, you, <laughs> you you did miss our coverage of two of the biggest breaking stories of the year, though. I did. I was ready to call in if we needed to, but it looks like you handled it up without me, so that's good. It, of course, I'm referring to the Bobert P-tape and Jamie coming out as gay. <laughs> There's no time to catch up, Judson, unfortunately, as this week was a colossal fuck tangle of right-wing <laughs> incompetence, projection, pettiness, corruption, and attacks on freedom, the scale of which we haven't seen in some time. Yeah, I think I said on Twitter that uh, last week was a hell of a year. (laughs) It was like everything, everywhere, all at once, but in the bad place. Yeah. (laughs) We haven't seen news happen this fast since 2016. Oh, it was when Trump became president. And then it it was just like, it was a lot. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I don't really celebrate Easter as it's kind of one of the lamest holidays, but I thought we could play a little Easter game, Judson. I love Easter because candy, so. Candy's good. Yeah. But you get candy at Halloween and you get to dress up. Sure, but I can get candy at both. Also, there's a more diverse sort of array of candy, I think, at Halloween. You're right. I don't know. I, I, I don't really celebrate Easter. Okay, I'm going to read two tweets. Well, one is a tweet and one is from Bullshit Social. <laughs> one of these is an Easter tweet from Biden and one is a bullshit post from Donald Trump. Okay. An Easter quote unquote tweet. <laughs> All right, here's the first one. We join Christians around the world in celebrating Easter Sunday. We wish you hope, health, joy, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Happy Easter, and may God bless and keep you. So that's the first one. Do you have any guesses so far? I'm leaning Biden. You're leaning Biden on that one? That, that felt very Catholic to me. All right, here's the second one. World War Three. <laughs> well, now I'm not sure. I just... <laughs> Oh, what a sad, strange little man. <laughs> he so is. Something must be about to break because... To be fair, that was not his only Easter message on his no. poorly named social media site. His first one was much longer. Much longer, all caps. List of grievances. Happy Easter to everyone, including the haters so, right. sort of vibe. And here's why the haters are all terrible. Right, exactly. Well, let's move on to the news. As we said, there's a lot of it. None of which I really wanted to skip. But yeah, we, we had to drop like big things we had planned because like we kept yeah. adding to the news. There's just so much happening. Yeah, we had a whole planned out feature. It's been pushed for like three weeks now. I've had, yeah, I've, like, <laughs> it keeps moving. Well, we're going to try to bring these stories to everyone short and fast. We're going to just boil them down to their essences. All right. Sure. Here's the first one. A fat, stupid Trump supporter was arrested last week in New York City. <laughs> Many petulant baby man tears were shed as he attempted to further obstruct justice after his arrest. That's really all there is to that story so far. I mean, he's the biggest Trump supporter. He the is hugest, the biggest Trump supporter. Hugest. I knew he wasn't going to be held. I mean, obviously, we knew he wasn't going to be like really arrested. Not a real stint in the American criminal justice system. Right. But it still bothers me that this guy who is who has to be like textbook flight risk is not being like deemed a flight risk. Like, I, I don't understand. Surrender his passport, you know, something. It's also interesting that he's selling merch with his mugshot on it when no mugshot was taken. Yeah, he'd have a mugshot, yeah. <laughs> is it interesting or is it just like what you expected? It's what I expected if they didn't take a mugshot. <laughs> it's exactly. Always about the grift. Uh-huh. Next story. <laughs> That's legit all the time we're spending on Trump. It's all he, it's all he warrants at this point. All right. Freedom and democracy won in Wisconsin last week as Janet Protasiewicz easily defeated Dan Kelly, her right-wing opponent, in a race that shifted the ideological balance of the Wisconsin Supreme Court, which was a really big deal. Absolutely. So it's huge. Wisconsin is a, I mean, a swing state where having that in control of the, the right could have put the 2024 election in serious jeopardy. Oh, absolutely. There's lots of other good things to come out of it. Well, ever the gracious, classy representative of his party, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Kelly had this to say after his loss and it brings me no joy to say this I wish that in a circumstance like this I would be able to concede to a worthy opponent but I do not have a worthy opponent to which I can concede so you lost to an unworthy opponent is that better really is that's that a good point what does that say about you Dan <laughs> yeah I like how you titled that audio clip because uh, it says just Dan Kelly prick <laughs> Which I think really encapsulates the core message that was espoused by the former justice of the, or no, it's even former, former candidate for Supreme Court justice. Yeah, at this point, I'll take anything over. The election was rigged. I really won <laughs> from them after they lose. <laughs> 
Yeah, sour grapes is not really a big deal compared to uh, undermining democracy. All right, Justin, why don't you take this next one? Oh, sure. Oh, shit. <sighs> this is about where I live. It is. North Carolina state legislator and traitor to her constituents and oath of office, Trisha Cotham, defected from the Democratic Party last week, not to become an independent, but to become a Republican. Hmm. In doing so, she gave Republicans a veto-proof supermajority in both branches of North Carolina state legislature. Hmm. Her district went overwhelmingly for Biden, like a plus 20 Biden point. Plus 23, I think, yeah. 20, yeah, it's huge. So it's a bit of a mystery as to why she'd switch parties. Justin, I think this stinks like Lindsey Graham's breath on a Saturday night. And I'm talking like four assholes in Saturday night. Okay. <laughs> got it. I mean, I don't got it, but okay. <laughs> Here's what Cotham said to explain her defection. Modern day Democratic Party has become unrecognizable to me and to so many others throughout this state and this country. In the last like six months, you ran as a Democrat, claiming that you were going to support abortion rights mm -hmm. and all of the other things that the Democrats support. LGBTQ rights. Yeah, that Republicans literally do not. Right. And yet then you turn around and absolutely undermine the people who voted you into office, who voted for what they thought would be a Democrat, who would vote for the things they wanted. And now you've cost them the voice that they thought they had. And if anything, Judson, if you think about it, the rise of Trump, QAnon, and sort of MAGA Republicans have fundamentally altered one of the two parties and it ain't the Democrats. Like, yeah. And even that didn't happen in six months. Obviously, it's simply a it's a shield it's a paper shield to cover up the fact that she has done something absolutely at odds with her espoused values. Like this is not the real reason she changed parties. So was she bought? I don't have any evidence to that fact, but I don't see any other way, conclusion you can draw. It's either she was bought or she was like a like a plant. Right? Exactly, yeah. It kind of has to be one of those two. If she were going to... Oh, oh, oh wait, sorry, sorry. She could have also suffered a head injury in the last six months. Okay. I guess that's also... That, that could happen. Personality changes. <laughs> brain tumor. Brain tumor should be on the table. Jensen, you're going to dark places. I, I thought the story was already pretty dark. Sorry, I, I'm just trying to come up with things that make sense because what she said did not. If she had a problem with the modern Democratic Party, she'd have gone independent. Yeah, I think I think so. Yeah, given the Republicans a, a veto-proof majority, yeah, that just makes no sense. Nope. I just want to ask the Times or Post to get right on this. I'd ask the DOJ to look into it, but we'd be dead before Merrick Garland opened the investment. <laughs> okay. Twitter, or Titter as it's called at the grown-up table, <laughs> labeled NPR's Twitter account as state-affiliated media last week. <sighs> and that's not just wrong, but it's disturbing. This essentially designates NPR as a state mouthpiece slash propaganda outlet a la North Korea, Russia, China, and the like. One reason it's disturbing is that NPR was literally the Twitter example of a non-state-affiliated media outlet before last week. Right. BBC, NPR, those are the two ones they, rec they they showed as like receiving some small amount of funding from the state, but because they have independence in their journalism, they are not state-affiliated media. Well, Twitter CEO and man who painted over the W in Twitter on his headquarters sign because, um, because... I got nothing. <laughs> For the lulls, obviously. <laughs> okay. Well, Elon Man Titter Musk initially responded with a two-word tweet. Seems accurate. I'm sorry, did you call it a did you call it a two-word teat? I meant to. <laughs> okay. 
Okay. Got it. I just making sure that I, yeah. Okay. Uh, that was after Twitter's official PR account replied to an NPR email asking about the change in the designation with what Judson? I think they auto reply with a poop emoji, don't they? Yeah. They auto reply <laughs> Yeah, with a poop emoji because Titter. Something I found funny today, and I hope it's something people are doing on purpose. You know how Twitter will sometimes pop up these sort of here's context for this tweet? Sure, yeah. Yeah, the Twitter notes or whatever they call it now. Well, the source was NPR. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. It felt intentional to me. I hope it was intentional. Yeah, only use NPR links in the the foreseeable future. (laughs) Well, I like it. Elon subsequently, and subsequently is important here because this is past due diligence, which I guess is a thing now. (laughs) I don't think that's actually a thing. I think that's the opposite of due diligence. (laughs) Past due diligence. It's the exact opposite of due diligence. Yeah. Well, after Twitter had already made the change to NPR's account, Elon started doing some research. Like you do after you've made a terrible decision and want to justify it. What what was it you said, Judson? (laughs) This is how you CEO, folks. (laughs) You make just a blanket decision and then you afterward research to find out information to justify whether or not you made a good decision and ignore all the things that tell you you didn't. Well, Tuckums went absolutely apeshit over this story. He opened his fucking show with it, like squealing about the truth. Well, he was like lying his ass off. So just a normal Tuesday. Going forward, NPR will be identified for users of Elon Musk's social media site as, quote, state affiliated media. That is the same category as Russia Today or China Central Television. It means that NPR is not that different from the Tehran Times, with the exception, of course, being less accurate and more anti-American. Why are we telling you about it? With all the momentous changes underway around the world, why would we open a show with a story about Twitter recategorizing NPR as state media? Well, because it's true. That's the reason. Finally, thankfully, somebody in authority has told the truth about something. And that is thrilling to see on its own terms. In a world defined by lies from our leaders, this seemed like a rare sign of hope and progress. Of course, NPR is state media. Have you listened to it? It has all the hallmarks. Repetitive dishonesty, authoritarian politics, unwavering devotion to the party in charge. Now, what he's describing wow, does sound familiar. Yeah. Every accusation, Dino, <laughs> every bigly, accusation bigly is an there. admission. Yeah. Wow. And there were like four of them right there in a row. <laughs> yeah, there's so much going on. Wow. It's, it's hard to pick just one out. I, I had missed that clip during my, I don't know, vacation, travels, whatever. Lucky that, you. That is... Yeah. Your blood pressure thanks you. It does. It really does. I mean, Fox News and the other far right misinformation outlets are the closest thing we have to would be state media. It's just that their leaders, they're not in charge right now, right? They're not in charge. They are the opposition party. Other than one branch of government. Right. They are the, I mean, it's not state affiliated, but they are obviously political party affiliated. Right. I mean, there's no, no doubt there. NPR is, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I, I, I pay dues, not dues, I pay a you know, monthly donation to my local NPR affiliate because I support the fact that they are a pretty independent, if centrist, which annoys me sometimes, outlet. I, I completely agree. They're super centrist. They are centrist to a distraction, to a, to a fault. They are centrist. I agree wholeheartedly. Which is not good journalism, but they do a good job most of the time, I think, with covering stories. A good, I'm sorry, a good enough job is what I should really say. To put a bow on this, Musk did ultimately change the label to, quote, government-funded media, which is still misleading. Oh my god. They get like 1% of their budget from the government. Less than. I mean, it may take massive dues from their affiliates, like the one that I donate to here, in order to pay for their operating costs. Jesus. All right, let's move on to the next story. Okay. Another mass shooting. 
There was another mass shooting today, Tino. Multiple people were killed in cold blood, and nothing will be done about it. I feel like we should just, this could be like a boilerplate thing. Like, we could, yeah. we could run this every single day. But every show. Fuck. Fuck the anti-life Republican Party and the NRA. What's, what's the next story? Taking a pause to appreciate the gravity of that. <laughs> Technically, there was another shooting, actually, after that in the same town, a mile and a half away from the first. There was another one after the bank. Yeah, there was another one a mile and a half away. One killed, one injured, I think I saw. Oh, fuck's sake. Same day. Wow. Yeah. Well, why don't we take a quick break on that note, <laughs> cleanse our palates, and then get back to the news. Oh, good. The Facts and Friends podcast is brought to you by people like you. More and more, corporate America is taking over the podcast scene. Your support helps stave off a complete takeover. Please take a moment to share the podcast with your friends and followers via social media or word of mouth. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for helping out. It really does mean a lot. All right, Judson, I want to take you through a quick hypothetical. Okay. What if... It was reported by a reputable news outlet that Sonia Sotomayor, an associate justice on the Supreme Court, uh -huh. had been receiving lavish gifts valued at hundreds of thousands of dollars from George Soros going back years. <laughs> I'm just imagining Tucker Carlson's head literally exploding on live television. That's what would happen. It would be a great day for everyone, really, when Tucker Carlson's head literally exploded. On live TV. All right, let's move out of the hypothetical. <laughs> yeah, to the actual. I just have to make two quick changes. I'm gonna I'm gonna sub out George Soros for Harlan Crow. Yep, yep. And let's see. I'm gonna take out Sotomayor and put in one Clarence Thomas. Also, let's throw in one kick-ass collection of Nazi memorabilia just for shits and giggles. Okay. I don't think we needed to throw kick-ass in there, but okay. <laughs> I'm sure he thinks it's pretty kick-ass. He probably I'm sure does. Harlan Crow is pretty proud of his fucking Nazi memorabilia. I don't remember who said it, but somebody was like, Harlan Crow is like the whitest guy with the blackest name. <laughs> really? I thought it sounded like a plantation owner name. Oh, maybe that's what it is. Hmm, I don't know. It really struck me as like a villain. He is He's definitely a legit like Bond villain-esque, especially, as you said, his kick-ass Nazi memorabilia collection, <laughs> as well as the Garden of Evil, which I guess we'll probably get into. So we've moved out of hypothetical. Now you're reacting to the real situation. <laughs> yeah. Tucker Carlson's head will not explode. He will. No. He's either already addressed this and, and blown it off as totally, you know, out of, uh, you know, not a big deal, or he will utterly ignore it. He's going to be fine with this. It so's the entire Republican Party, it seems. Well, I got good news for you, Judson. Yeah. Clarence Thomas said, he talked to a bunch of unethical hacks and they told him it was okay to be an unethical hack. So he's totally in the clear. Do you think he talked to Scalia? Because that's what he said when he, like, he was first on the court. He talked to his colleagues. Do you think, he was, you think Scalia told him to be an unethical hack? I don't even know if he actually had those conversations. That's a good but, point. He might not have. Yeah. But easy to blame the dead guy. <laughs> like true. Scalia said I could do it. What? Maybe Katy Perry ought to visit Clarence Thomas. <laughs> oh, hey, hey. That sounds like a threat. Yeah. <laughs> so he's completely corrupt. And I'll, I'll there, say this. I don't think that Clarence Thomas has been bribed. And I don't think that Clarence Thomas has made decisions that he wouldn't have made without these gifts 
happening. Okay. I think he's being rewarded for doing the things that he was going to do anyway. And I think that this is highly unethical, regardless of what I believed in the first two points. It doesn't matter if he's being influenced by Harlan Crow and his lavish gifts. What matters is that it appears that he could be. And that's the only thing that matters. Right. That's the only thing that matters because judicial code of ethics, which applies to everyone but the Supreme Court, Ugh. is that they must abstain from even the appearance of impropriety because it undermines the faith in our criminal justice and court system. And this is nothing but the appearance of impropriety. I agree. Yeah. Let's move on. <laughs> No, wait, Garden of Evil. What the hell's the Garden of Evil? The Garden of Evil. So in addition to the Nazi memorabilia that he has, he also has statues of former fascist and communist leaders in a garden, like Mao and Stalin and maybe Hitler too. I don't know if there's a Hitler one. And he has these and he calls it his Garden of Evil. And he says it's there to remind him of how bad these people were and that he goes there to like contemplate the horrors that were committed, the atrocities committed by these people. And you can choose to believe that that's what he does. <laughs> I like a good fiction story as much as the next person. Justin, he goes there to masturbate. He Let's just say it. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's right. what he does there. That's right. The Garden of Evil, everyone has just gone, they just run with it, showing pictures of like all the, like the art they have in their house and how much they hate the painters who painted the art that they keep on their walls. And that's why they keep them on their walls or people who have like action figure collectibles and they're like showing all their action figures. Like, I hate Superman. He's the worst superhero. And that's why I have 17 figurines of Superman here in my collection. Just to remind me of how much I hate Superman. Justin, do you like tongue? Do you like to eat? I'm not going to uh, clarify. Oh, then I will say that under certain circumstances, I do enjoy tongue. Do you like the Dalai Lama? <laughs> Remember when I used to do this on the old show? I do remember this. I'm, I'm having flashbacks right now. I'm like sweating right now in the closet. Do I like the Dalai Lama? I feel about the Dalai Lama like I think I feel about Elon Musk. Wow. I used to have a higher opinion, a much higher opinion of him than I do now because I knew less about him then. At one point, I thought he was just a nice old guy who was persecuted by China, and that's all I really knew about him. Well, let me tell you a little bit more about him, Judson. <laughs> the Dalai Lama was caught on video asking a young boy to make out. I'm sorry, what? Let me be fair. The Dalai Lama put it far more romantically than I did. He was caught on video asking a little kid to, quote, suck on his tongue. Oh, okay. Maybe that's less romantic. <laughs> it really depends on how the little boy took it. Oh, God. I mean, harassment does depend on what the person thinks. Kids can't consent. That's true, they can't. The kid wanted a hug from the Dalai Lama during some events. Like you do, sure. So his creepiness invited the boy onto the stage, and he asked the child to kiss him on the cheek. Fine. The child did. Then he asked the child to kiss him on the mouth. Less fine. Then he urged the young boy to, quote, suck my tongue. Is now, before you think to defend him, Judson, because I, I, that's, that's not, what I was hearing coming. Not what I was going to do. <laughs> okay. I did have a question. It's not a cultural thing, okay? Is it a translational issue? <laughs> no. They've already apologized. Okay. They used the old, oh, he's such a joker defense. Oh. <laughs> I don't think I get Tibetan comedy. I clearly, no, I think you probably do pretty well there, actually. Uh, hey. hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Sorry, I'm sorry. That's that was that was uncalled for. It really was. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> All right. The moral of this story, though, is please avoid religion and particularly religious or so-called spiritual leaders at all costs. Yeah. No, I, I, that is the moral of uh, most stories, actually, that we talk about. I, I mean, unless you're 10 and like getting your tongue sucked, right? Oh, God. No, I thought he was doing the tongue sucking. That wasn't that the... It's a Dalai Lama. Of course he's going to reciprocate. <laughs> I mean, he is... Oh, my God. He's so giving. I can't even go along with it. Okay. <laughs> What's the next story? <laughs> this is the last story, Judson, before the break. We might take just a little bit longer on this one just to savor okay. it. I mean, like Dalai Lama tongue, you can never really take too long to take in that trademark flavor listness you get from a Bud Light. A what? That is until they went full on queer. <laughs> Justin, do you know who Dylan Mulvaney is? I do, but only because of this story. I didn't know who she was until this week either. Okay. Also, you and I didn't know who Justin Pearson or Justin Jones were. That's that's a good point. But the right is very good at turning liberal nobodies into huge stars. It's, that's true. It's like their superpower these days. Yeah. Now, in Ms. Mulvaney's case, she was already pretty famous on TikTok, but now even old farts like you know who she is. Yeah. She came out as a transgender woman during COVID. This was as she began documenting her transition in a TikTok video series called Days of Girlhood. Right. So here's what happened. Here's here's what happened with Budweiser. They gave her a one-day single video Bud Light sponsorship deal, right? Okay, sure. Really minor thing. I certainly do this to like a lot of little creators on TikTok, right? I mean, Yeah, no, I'm sure they do. It's big. It costs the big corporation very little to get their product in front of a lot of very different groups of people. Exactly. So seems really minor, but from the rights reaction, you would think Budweiser had run an ad depicting Hillary Clinton in a Stella Artois onesie castrating Jesus with a broken Bud light bottle. Oh God. Did I not give you notes about that? I asked for them and I didn't get notes. I started to type one up and said that castrating might have been too far, but it's, no. it's fine. Did you not hit send? I think I, I think I was at the baseball game. Yeah, it's fine. Maybe in post I'll, I'll change it to circumcising. <laughs> uh, how about? No, I think it's fine. I think it's fine. I just... I thought it was funny because I swore. Hillary I'd... Clinton giving Jesus the old frazzle drip with a broken Bud Light <laughs> bottle. All right, Judson, this brings us to this. From the morons that brought you the stupidest game in podcasting, did the right lose their shit, comes America's most content-dense new reality series, How the Right Lost Their Shit. So not a game. We gave up on the if and went straight to the how. It's not even a game. It's just a recap, a recounting of how it went down. We're just documenting what happened at this point. Which is really what we were always doing, let's be honest. It pretty much <laughs> is. So to get us started, I have this uh, creepy, fascist, fake news anchor from YouTube. Anheuser-Busch facing backlash in the form of massive boycotts after partnering with a TikTok star for their latest campaign. With this clear endorsement, Anheuser-Busch has declared themselves an enemy of freedom, prompting conservatives everywhere to fight back with their wallets. So he starts at enemy of freedom. Wow. Seems fair, right? You really got to like ease into that. You don't really leave yourself anywhere to build. Right. That's where he started. Start like a seven, man. Just like ease into it so you can kind of like ramp up. To that outrage. We are going to give them a masterclass in proper oration later on in the show. Oh, good. When we talk about the Tennessee Three. Ah, excellent. Yes. So I'm just curious, a massive pushback? Like a massive boycott? Is it massive? 
<laughs> no, it's <Okay>. not. <laughs> All right. I'm sure something you really missed in your two weeks off, Justin, was uh, reading quotes from reprehensible people. I say this one's from Matt Walsh. So yes, I wouldn't say I missed it, Bob. Well, we're doing how the right lost their shit. Yep. So we need yep. to. This is Matt Walsh and how he lost his shit. Give it to me. Men declare themselves women and they are immediately showered with more corporate sponsorships than an NFL quarterback. Ooh. Again, proving that trans people are the most privileged group in the history of the world. Wow. The most privileged group. What? So he's starting at a 12. Fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> trans people are the most privileged group? The right doesn't even acknowledge their existence. Does privilege mean persecuted? Are they the same thing now? Is this a lig- literally figurative thing? That Why am I privileged? <laughs> exactly. What the fuck? I have no idea. Uh, Matt Walsh is not a moron, right? I mean, he's a contemptible bigot. I Do you think he hears the words coming out of his mouth? I don't know how much Kool-Aid they drink of what they serve. I don't know. I hear the words that come out of my mouth on this show, and I barely sleep at night. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I definitely... The Dalai Lama thing is going to haunt me for a while. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You should see what it's done to that kid. Oh, God. Well, Judson, we need to get serious, okay? Do we? Some people on the right were really hurt by this. Can you share with us this tragic story from a Twitter user, Curtis Escamilla? Sad day for me. I've been drinking Anheuser-Busch products since ninth grade. I was faithful. (laughs) Sorry, that's really funny. (laughs) I never crossed the line. When given Coors, I would always call out the bartender on it. Fuck you, Bud Light. It's over. Never again. Oh, to be 14 again. (laughs) Downing Bud Lights at recess. Shotgunning Bud Lights on the playground. That's right. Your son just turned Bud Light age, right? He did just turn Bud Light age, apparently. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, so now I actually thought this one's pretty funny, so I'm going to read it, but I'm not going to give the bigot credit. Here it is. Anheuser-Busch for guys that like it in the can. (laughs) That's that's pretty funny. That's that's, that's pretty funny. Well, then we saw all the washed up pseudo celebrities buying up as much Bud Light as they could to throw it in the trash. Or pour it down the drain or take it away, Kid Rock. I love how they protest. Grandpa's feeling a little frisky today. Let me uh, say something to all you and be as clear and concise as possible. Fuck Bud Light and fuck Anheuser-Busch. Have a terrific day. So one of the many funny things about that video is that he is gunning down a large, unmoving target at fairly close range with a machine gun and seems to do more missing than hitting. I don't think that qualifies as concise, the number of bullets that he used. He didn't need that many. I mean, well... He needed that many, but he didn't need that many. Also, Judson, not since November 22nd, 1963 in Dallas, Texas, have we heard such an outcry about a second shooter. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and except in this case, there definitely was one. There definitely was one in this case. There's a guy off screen with a shotgun, like helping take out the thing because he couldn't hit the fucking broadside of a barn. <laughs> Taking away Kid Rock's gun might be doing him a favor. So get I mean, on that, I, Joe no, Biden. I think it's fine. Let him keep the guns. He's not a threat to anyone. Also, I'm not sure you heard this one, but in a related story, there was a uh, a middle-aged British woman who was seen screaming, Avada Kedavra, 
at a couple of six packs of Stella just outside the uh, the Edinburgh estate of Harry Potter author J.K. Rowling. <laughs> now, as of recording, I have to say there's no confirmation as to the identity of the beer cursing witch, but we'll keep looking into it. <laughs> and then you had more. It's like Kid Rock switching decors to show those woke commies at Anheuser Busch. Yeah. Thing is, Judson, what is the thing I'm about to say? The thing is that a lot of corporations do pride event sort of things. It's not uncommon. Coors is all about the gays. Yeah, all the beer companies have done it. You've got Miller brands, Heineken's, Constellation brands. They make Corona and Modelo. I think the bigots are stuck with Yangling for now, which uh, I understand <laughs> you enjoy, Judson. That is, Let me just add that to my little <laughs> evidence pile here. You told me on your vacation that you enjoyed a tasty yingling. My wife and I got two drinks a night at the hotel bar included with our room, but they were only from a very limited selection. And the beer options were, I think it was Bud, I think it, was, it literally was Bud Light and uh, yingling were the only two options. And you choose yingling. Oh my God. <laughs> before, before the story. Sure. That's not fair. Hello, t- to be clear, after the story, I would probably still choose yingling because <laughs> I don't like Bud Light. And that kind of brings me to my last point here. I kind of feel for Anheuser-Busch here. Yeah. Budweiser and Bud Light are a beer of last resort for anyone who actually likes beer. No, Milwaukee's best is the beer of last resort. I clump them all together like Natty Light. <laughs> if you had a Bud Light and a Natty Light yep. and you were like blind taste testing them, you're really going to be able to tell which one is better. And what do you mean by better here? I mean, I could tell you which one is which. Could you really? Oh, absolutely. Just from, from college? This is all college, yeah. I, I, okay. I developed a certain, a particular set of skills in college. <laughs> a very particular set of skills. And that would be discerning between cheap beers because we didn't have a lot of money and we did like to drink beer. I started when I was 14. Right. Like like everyone does. Yeah. You kind of think, right, that Bud Light had way more MAGA customers than conscientious human beings who don't identify with a cult of hatred led by an indicted orange narcissist, right? I mean, I think not just Bud Light, but yeah, the entire Anheuser-Busch catalog. It's blue collar beer, if you look at it that way, right? And it's people who of more limited means by beer that is less expensive. And we appreciate them being inclusive in their tiny little TikTok ad campaign, but I don't think we're coming to their rescue. We are, but like, they're gonna be fine. Exactly. Because they're a giant corporation and they don't do things on a whim. They knew there'd be a little bit of pushback. They figured it would generate a news story or two. They probably ascribed to the idea that there's probably no real bad press that will last from this. Read this uh, Read this last tweet. Speaking of. Spoiler alert. I have seen more Bud Light in the last week than I have in 10 years. Anheuser-Busch for the win. On one final poetic note. The Anheuser-Busch that was trending on Twitter so Snowflake maggots could wine tweet was misspelled. In all of them. It, yeah, it was misspelled in like every tweet that we just read that had Anheuser-Busch was all misspelled. I assumed that Kid Rock spelled it wrong when he said it. Oh, they got way closer than I would have expected them to get, if I'm honest. <laughs> it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. Isn't Anheuser German? I think it is. You think they get that one right? Well, I know Harlan Crow does. <laughs> we'll be right back. Hey, FNFers, Judson here. Tino and I are always looking to interact more with our fantastic audience. If you have questions, ideas, complaints, or just need a friend, you can reach out to us at factsandfriends at gmail.com. That's facts, the letter N, friends at gmail. And if you want to make a more intimate connection, I'm on Twitter at the fault in my arse. Again, the fault, the letter N, my arse. And you can find Tino at Uncle Tortilla. We can't wait to hear from you. So Judson, one theme I've been noticing from recent news, and particularly from last week, is that of Republican overreach. 
Okay, sure. I can see that. They've stolen the federal courts, the Supreme Court. Right. They've stolen majorities and supermajorities in many state legislatures. Yep. And it seems like of late, they're more emboldened than ever. So I thought we'd take some time to take a look at a few examples of this and discuss how it may or may not blow or has or has not blown up in their faces. Okay. Let's start with your new job, Judson. Looking at kids' junk in Kansas. <laughs> oh, God. Forgot about it. When that. are you moving, by the uh, way? Or are you just waiting I'm not. for We're doing a new. It. It's all over Zoom. We're just all going to do it all over Zoom. Oh, I was wondering if you like, may, might be waiting for the new Republican supermajority in North Carolina to pass the same <laughs> law in your state. <laughs> Requiring child genital oh, inspection. God, I hope not. But well, Kansas HB two two three eight, yep, which bans transgender kids from participating in sports. It had been vetoed not once, not twice, but three times by that state's governor, Laura Kelly. Good job, Laura Kelly. Just want to say. Thank you, Laura Kelly. She's a Democrat. As part of the law, children will be subject to a genital inspection before being allowed to play sports. Judson, as this show's voice on the right, can you tell us how you're just gonna let that go? Huh? I'm just gonna I'm gonna let it go. Yeah, I'm gonna let it go. <laughs> Judson, as this show's voice on the right, can you tell us how forcing parents to subject their kids to genital exams to play sports makes us feel more free as a people <laughs> or can you tell us about how it lessens the role of government in our private lives am i missing something no no i, th I think you've slyly hit upon the problems yeah <laughs> okay. i may be phrasing this uh, inappropriately but are there any other bits about this story you want to take a look at judson <laughs> i mean i would just point out that the party that claims that the LGBTQ plus community are all groomers and the Democrats and teachers are all groomers are the only people who are passing laws to allow someone to look at children's genitals. Hmm. That is all I would say. That, to me, does not track unless every accusation is an admission. Well, we've established that's the fucking case. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think mean, it's weird how much they focus on genitalia, both of adults and children. It they is. seem to worry a lot about what people have in their pants, and that is very disturbing. It says to me that, that they need, they all need to see therapists. We don't have enough therapists for these people, but except they don't believe in mental health unless there's just been a school shooting. That's true. And even then they're only pretending they would benefit from it though. I think they have a, they would. a vast preoccupation with what is in other people's pants. And that's, that's not healthy. I mean, a little bit of curiosity, fine, but that seems to be the, all they worry about. Well, Justin, the party of personal liberty that wants to force parents to have strangers look at their kids' junk is also... It could be a friend. It could be a stranger. It could be a friend, right? I don't... I know. I think it has to be like a trained child genital inspector. <laughs> right, right. My new job. I forgot. <laughs> I had just said, what would those training institutions be called? And like, no, no, we're not going to do that. We're, we're just going to move on. We're going to move on. There's a lot to cover here. Yes. <laughs> They're also the party of law and order, Judson. Are they? And <laughs> Are they? <laughs> well, <laughs> the party of law and order has promised to pardon a convicted murderer before even reviewing a single detail of the case. I mean, the man hasn't even been sentenced. Fuck you, Governor Abbott. <sighs> yes, that is who I'm speaking of. Convicted murderer Daniel Perry, who shot and killed a Black Lives Matter protester in 2020. He was convicted on Friday in Texas by a jury of his peers. And actually, there was no comment from Governor Greg Abbott's office that day. But then this happened Friday night. A military veteran driving an Uber car was convicted of murder. And what does that mean? It means that in the state of Texas, if you have the wrong politics, you're not allowed to defend yourself. So this is a legal atrocity. It's so obviously unjust that tonight we extended an invitation to the sitting governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, to come on this show on Monday. And we wanted to ask if he was considering a pardon for Daniel Perry. 
But for some reason, Governor Greg Abbott's office told us he just can't make it and that we should talk to the Attorney General of Texas, Ken Paxton, instead. So that is Greg Abbott's position. There is no right of self-defense in Texas. What a bunch of horse shit. So... <laughs> As most things on Tucker's show are. So what happened suddenly the next morning, Judson? Uh, Greg Abbott said he'd sign a pardon as soon as it hit his desk. Yeah, he couldn't do it fast enough. <laughs> Any thoughts? I think he just gave them. He was worried about the wrath of Tucker and Tucker's fans, clearly. Except, obviously, Tucker never honestly presents any of the stories that he's talking about. So it wasn't just a veteran who was an Uber driver. No. It was someone who had posted on social media multiple times that he might have to kill protesters when he went into work. And deliberately drove into the crowd and then shot an armed man, which is legal in Texas, who also, I believe, happened to be a veteran. I don't think it's going to be all that legal for Democrats for very well, long. Well, it is legal now. At, at the time, it was legal for everyone to carry so the, the man that he shot also was armed right yes he was approaching the car the uber car because the guy drove into a crowd deliberately uh which has happened at multiple protests so clearly you know there he, the guy wanted to ascertain if there was a threat right and the murderer in charlottesville didn't a right-wing person like kill a protester with their yeah, car yeah this this could have been the same thing i'm sure that's what the deceased man thought approaching the vehicle and before he could get there and he did not raise his gun uh, before he could do that he was shot and killed yep the guy literally said that dan kelly the, the convicted murderer dale perry so the convicted murderer said that he didn't want to give him time to raise his weapon so he, he shot and killed him first and texas's stand your ground law, whatever their equivalent is, should not apply. That was not a valid defense because he had put himself... A in, jury of yeah, his peers jury, yeah, exactly. determined that it did not. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and not just the jury of his peers, but like, you know, the, the DA's office there had brought charges, had found that he didn't have a compelling defense, that he was likely to be convicted, that he had put himself into that situation, creating the dangerous situation that he was using as the excuse to murder an innocent person. And... Seems like law and order to me right up until the pardon. And, exactly, right up to the pardon, uh, which basically declares open season on protesters in texas of a certain bent right if you're shooting your anheuser-busch cans you're totally fine still <laughs> but don't protest any actual injustice without taking the proper precautions judson when a stolen far-right-leaning united states supreme court revoked a constitutional right last year yep that was kind of the launch party for the republican fascist overreach campaign we're talking about i mean it's something they've been working for for like four decades so yeah five decades a long time even clarence thomas declared in his concurring opinion overturning roe v wade that dobbs was just the first step do you remember that i do remember that yes Weird, weirdly he didn't mention loving v virginia though did he he didn't mention loving v virginia that's so strange he mentioned all the gifts he got from harlan fucking crow <laughs> he he didn't mention a lot of things you're right well, it turns out those uh pro-birth anti-life right-wing so-called Christians wanted more. And last week, Idaho Governor Brad My Dick is Little signed an abortion trafficking bill. I might have gotten his middle name wrong. He signed an <laughs> abortion trafficking bill. I was going to ask, who has three middle names? Some people do. Rich people tend to. Uh, right, that's true. Rich white people. Tuckums has two, I think. Well, this Idaho governor signed an abortion trafficking bill into law? Yes, he did. Yeah, this law makes it illegal for physicians to refer patients to out-of-state abortion providers. Also, State attorney general can prosecute someone even if the county prosecutor declines. It's kind of fucking crazy. So, Justin, you might ask, how do they get around the whole constitutional right to travel between states? I might ask that. The answer is flimsily. <laughs> I might have expected that answer, too. 
This law makes only the in-state portion of the trip illegal, which is a bit of a stretch. So you can't go to the border. You can't, they can't stop you from crossing it, but you can't go to the border. But you're only breaking the law once you cross it. It's such <laughs> bullshit. But alas, they love and respect the U.S. Constitution. Do they not? What if we set up some sort of like conveyor system? Where like you could travel out in the desert or the mountains or whatever, whatever state you're heading towards, you find uh, this conveyor belt. It's not on. It's just sitting there, right? And then you throw a lever and it takes you across the state line. No one transported you. It was a machine. You can't charge the machine. I feel like this could work. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Well, the sad thing about this story in Idaho is that it's the minor overreach story when it comes to uh, taking away women's reproductive freedoms. <laughs> Great. What's the other one? After doing some careful judge shopping, some anti-abortion fanatics got a, a suit. Oh, that one. In which they had no standing in front of one of the most far-right Christo-fascist activist judges in the country. That's Trump-appointed Matthew Kazmarek. <laughs> I was going to say, who do you think appointed him? And it was Trump, yeah. This lawless hack, if I may. You may. I will allow he it. He ruled that the FDA erred when it approved Mifeprestone, which is an early abortion pill, over 20 years ago. The ruling kind of flies in the face of science and in the face of precedent. Sure. Well, I mean, that's that's the only way that they can do these sorts of things. And in the face of the separation of powers... Well, per a New York Times op-ed piece by constitutional law professor Kate Shaw, the plaintiffs themselves, in this case, couldn't come up with a single case in which any other federal judge had issued an order like the one they were asking him to issue. <laughs> and yet. Yeah, and yet, here we are <laughs> on the Facts and Friends podcast talking about this. Do you want to read a little bit from Professor Shaw's op-ed, Judson? I probably do. It's way better than the shit I usually make you read. <laughs> yep. This case is wildly atypical for a number of reasons. Under well-settled legal principles, the plaintiffs in the case, a coalition of anti-abortion organizations and physicians, do not have the right to be in court asking for this remedy at all. As commentators from across the political spectrum have noted, the plaintiffs lack standing, a core requirement of any lawsuit in federal court. Pretty basic. They are also bringing their challenge far too late. It's clear that the case is not in response to the FDA's 23-year-old decision to approve mefeprestone or the intervening reaffirmations of that decision. Rather, it is in response to the Dobbs decision. No shit. Keep going. What the hell? Much of the opinion is tonally shocking and medically unsound. Oh, this is crazy, this part. Rather than using the term fetus, it refers exclusively to unborn children and unborn humans. Ugh. It describes mefeprestone as used to kill or starve a fetus Jesus. rather than end a pregnancy. It accuses the Biden administration of promoting eugenics for identifying the harms to families and existing children that flow from women being denied access to wanted abortions. This this asshole, Kazmarek, he has no business in a courtroom, much less being a judge. I agree. I was actually trying to look up and see if he was one of the ones that was rated as unfit by the uh, the ABA. Nope, they rated him qualified, but it was below their, below well-qualified. He was simply qualified by the ABA. I beg to differ. Well, I mean, they're, they're talking about legally and not as opposed, not as in terms of his fitness for office, I think. It's purely about his legal pedigree. They're not looking at the whole picture. Well, no, they're looking at just his legal pedigree. Yeah. Well, of course, this has been challenged in court. The Biden administration has appealed and asked the Fifth Circuit to place an injunction on the order. But this story also created some really strange bedfellows, Judson. Yep. Congresswoman Alexandria ocasio -Cortez Cortez called on the FDA to ignore the judge's ruling, which it can do, albeit yep. at some pretty high cost to our legal system. But an unlikely ally joined AOC. Do you agree here then with comments from people like your colleague Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez that the Biden administration should ignore this ruling, that the FDA should ignore this ruling? 
I would. This is an FDA approved drug. I, I support the usage of FDA approved drugs, even if we might disagree. Uh, it's not up to us to decide as legislators or even, you know, as the court system that whether or not this is the right drug to use or not, number one. So I agree with ignoring it at this point, but there are other lawsuits that are happening right now in other states um, as well over this issue. But to, to look at the case itself, when you look at the law that the judge used, an old law that the Supreme Court said was unconstitutional, this thing should just be thrown out, quite frankly. So you think the FDA should ignore this? I would. Yes, I would. This is an issue that Republicans have been largely on the wrong side of. That is none other than <laughs> South Carolina Republican Congresswoman Nancy Mace coming right out and agreeing with AOC. Yeah. Not mincing words either. Does that surprise you? That, yeah, it does surprise me. I nearly spit out my morning coffee. I'm already not used to being up early in the morning. Now I have to hear Nancy <laughs> Mace say something intellectually honest. Come on. <laughs> it's weird, right? Well, I honestly don't even see the U.S. Supreme Court corruption clearance aside allowing this to stand. I mean, their whole game in taking away women's reproductive rights last year. It relied on sending it back to the states. Right, and this is basically the states, some of the states saying like, we didn't really mean all the states. I think this is the one with like 23 uh, Republican AGs had signed on to this as well, right? 23 red states trying to enact a national ban, a de facto national ban. Finally in overreach, Judson, it's the Tennessee House of Representatives. They really did something there. Not since that Gaston impersonator launched that firework <laughs> has an ill <laughs> Conceived endeavor so spectacularly blown up in one's face. <laughs> no one bled like a stone. No one's dead like a stone. No one's fireworks blow up their head like a stone. He's especially good at self-mutilating. Oh, what, what a guy, guy like, like a stone. stone! I feel like you've got like play the story behind that at some point too. I have heard on on good authority that we might have another Disney song parody coming up in the near future. That is a possibility. Well, Justin, in the wake of the tragic and all too common school shooting in Tennessee last week, three Democratic representatives protested the Tennessee House's failure to take meaningful action. Now, most of that protest happened uh, while the body was in recess, not all of it. Those representatives protesting were, of course, Justin Jones, Justin Pearson, and some old white lady. <laughs> some old white. Well, the Republican majority in that House decided they would nip this in the bud and in no way elevate two liberal voices to international rock star status. <laughs> they decided, rather than censuring these three legislators, they would take the unprecedented action of expelling them from the Tennessee House. And for that, as the liberaliest liberal in all of New Liberaldonia, <laughs> I say, thank you, Tennessee Republicans. <laughs> so during the expulsion proceedings, each Democratic representative was questioned. And as I watched it, I really I felt like I was watching a period movie set in the beginning of the desegregation era. Yeah. All these like entitled middle-aged Southern white dudes kept condescendingly asking these young black guys if they knew the rules at the whites only pool. <laughs> and it went a little something like this. Do you know why you're standing in the well today? Representative Pearson. Yes. Hold on one second. Representative Farmer. Yes, sir. Yeah, I was just going to ask Paul's my time if he's going to No, I'm actually it. not doing what y'all typically. Representative Pearson. 
Yeah, I'm actually not trying to run out of your time like y'all do to us, uh, or to me. Uh, I, I was actually just looking for a piece of paper. I'm here uh, uh, in the well right now because uh, I, I came to this well using our First Amendment rights to speak up uh, after the violent killing with assault rifles of beautiful human being Catherine Coons, Mike Hill, Cynthia Peak, Evelyn DeCouse, Haley Scruggs, and William Kinney. Representative Farmer. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. No, you're wrong. You're in the well today because you broke rules of decorum. Wouldn't you agree? Representative Pearson. I believe I'm in the well today because you have put forward a resolution that says that it's more important to expel voices of dissent than do the work of justice, which is fighting to end gun violence in the state of Tennessee. I believe that I'm in the well today because I uh, with the courage of ancestors and family and loved ones and communities stood up and spoke up for folks like my classmate Larry Thorne who can speak no more because of the proliferation of guns in Tennessee. I, I believe that I'm in the well today uh, because you have decided that it is not uh, right to have debate. It is not right to listen to the voices of the minority. I believe I'm in the well today because on the day that we wanted to honor the thousands of people who protested, uh, we were denied that opportunity. I believe that I'm here because you feel in your heart that it is right to persecute someone who has committed no crime, who has only broken what you call the house decorum rule, which according to section 19 of the house permanent rules of order say that at worst, the thing that should happen is censure. But instead, you have brought forward a terrible resolution to deprive and disenfranchise thousands of people in Shelby County of a representative who will and can speak and advocate for them. And I believe, uh, Representative Farmer, that that is wrong. <laughs> that was Justin Pearson. Wow. He's, he's good. I, his, his speaking style is incredible. He has this like soft-spoken nature. But then, like, he can erupt into soaring oratory. It's, yeah, it's really, really, really impressive. And, and if not for the Tennessee House GOP, we never would have heard about him. Did I thank them yet? Oh, yeah, I you did. did. You thanked Let me him thank him again. <laughs> Let me thank him again. That's how big a favor they did for us. Yeah. So then, what the Tennessee House did is this thing that I'd only joked about. I, I said to you and some of our friends over on our Discord server, support us on Patreon now to get access to our Discord server today. I said something like, wouldn't it be crazy if they just kicked out the black guys? Yeah. And, <laughs> and you even came back to me with this. I, I, I quoted it. Go ahead and read it. Yeah, sure. I said, I'm torn between thinking that they're smart enough to not just expel the two black guys and remembering that their racism is probably stronger than their critical thinking skills. Well, Judson, you can be torn no more. <laughs> Unless you plan on doing a reverse big thing, then going to Tibet to ask the Dalai Lama for a hug. Well, I'm not torn about that. Not doing that. That's not a thing. No. Do we want to talk about some of the people they didn't expel, Judson? The one person? No, no, not not in this case. Previously. Oh, oh okay. Sure, sure. So I think I think it was Gloria Johnson, but I, I heard from multiple representatives uh, from the Tennessee Three that uh, so they said, um, we have had admitted child molesters on the floor. We've had members that have peed in each other's office chairs. We have Ooh. someone... Who, was, who has illegally prescribed drugs to their cousin's mistress, and nothing ever happened to, these, to those folks. That's the white lady? Yeah, Glor Gloria Johnson from Knox County. Okay. I also heard the Republican House Speaker, the one who led this effort to expel these Democrats, that he might actually be in violation of his own state's constitution? 
Is I, that is a thing that I have heard. Apparently, he doesn't live where he's supposed to live. He has a house uh, that he claims is his residence about two hours away, where, where he, the district that he ran in. Uh, but he lives, he lives in Nashville, uh, or right, right outside of Nashville. He actually lives with his family there. His kids go to a, like a private school right outside of Nashville. He and his wife are seen like at various school events frequently. And so either they are commuting two hours to and from their quote unquote home two hours away, uh, or they are living somewhere else in, in, outside of Nashville instead of in his actual district. And that is not apparently legal <laughs> by the state rules, which I'm sure will be immediately changed so that it's okay. Right, right, right. Well, after the hearing, local Tennesseans made their feelings about the expulsions known. I could listen to that all day. <laughs> I could do it. It's very catchy. I almost like hit loop. Yeah, I'm kind of dancing around over here. Just say, Fuck <laughs> you, fascist. And then to make things all the more pathetic for the Tennessee Republican Party, Justin Jones was sworn <laughs> in it today. So yeah, the, the process is that the the count, town council or the city council uh, for the regions where they were elected has to put forth uh, an uh, interim candidate. At least one so far of the two has been simply reseated. They just like yeah, you kicked him out. Well, we're putting him back in. There you go. So they expelled him for all of three days. Uh, it's forty eight to seventy two hours, something like that. And two of them were the weekend. Yeah. Uh huh. A holiday weekend, no less. So. You know, you know, Trump has been comparing himself to Jesus, but Justin Jones really has more of the story going on. <laughs> Let's listen to Justin Jones addressing that same body that expelled him just a few days ago. Today, we joined this clip party in progress because <laughs> that's the only one I could get. Because of the actions of this body, but because of the actions of the people out there and the thousands gathered outside this chamber right now who are calling for something better, who's who, who responded to your attacks on democracy with an attack of a mass movement for social justice and racial justice and economic justice to restore the heart of our state. And so I want to thank you all, um, not for what you did, but for awakening the people of this state, particularly the young people. Thank you for re reminding us that the struggle for justice is fought in one in every generation. And so the people of Tennessee, I stand with you. We will continue to be your voice here. And no expulsion, no attempt to silence us will stop us, but it will only galvanize and strengthen our movement. And we continue to show up in the people's house. Power to the people. They're just getting thanked everywhere. They really are. <laughs> I'm getting it from all angles. <laughs> so in addition to haplessly creating two enormous new liberal superheroes that will probably be affecting progressive change for generations to come, the Tennessee GOP didn't even manage to accomplish their petty little goal of kicking some black kids out of the white boy meetings. <laughs> they even like threatened, I think, uh, is it Pearson's district that they threatened with like severing, like cutting funding? Yes. To them if they, if they reseated him? Yeah. Reseat him. Reseat him anyway. Start a GoFundMe. You'll be fine. So future Judson here. As we were putting the show together, more information about the smartest man in Tennessee, House Speaker Cameron Sexton, has come to light. 
In addition to actually living in Nashville, two hours away from his district, the now embattled Tennessee House Speaker also appears to have failed to pay taxes on his allegedly vacant Crossville condo for the last two years. And there are rumors of at least one extramarital affair which comes with the tantalizing threat of including receipts. A local lawyer in Nashville, one uh, Brian Manukian, who has maybe a, a Michael Avenetti vibe to him is what I'm getting, he tweeted out several tweets over the last several days asking if Speaker Sexton will admit to texting pictures of his, quote, weird little dick, end quote, to married women and lobbyists. Uh, he claims to have receipts, as I said, and he also tweeted, people in the comments are suggesting that Cameron Sexton's mistress is a blonde Tennessee lobbyist with major business before the house. Surely not from Mr. Rules and Decorum. So, not a great week for Cameron Sexton, uh, especially given that just today, as we're finalizing the show, Justin Pearson was reinstated sort of unanimously by his district. Turns out that the four Republicans decided not to show up to the hearing, uh, so the seven Democrats unanimously voted him in. We'll be right back. With open carry laws sweeping the nation, there's bound to be some collateral damage. Road rage, school shootings, traffic stops, curious kids. When the Grim Reaper comes a-knocking, let Crazy Cooter clean up the mess. We're the South's open carry crematorium and interment specialists. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. We burn them, box them, and bury them. Headshots, gutshots, center mass taps. If they're full of lead, we'll put them to bed. You need plots? We got plots. Solo, double, extra wide. Triplets killed in a shootout at the library? Crazy Cooter's got them covered. Headstones, footstones, flowers, and flags. At these prices, we guarantee you'll pull the trigger. So head on down to Crazy Cooter's Open Carry Crematorium and Interment. With 121 locations across the Bible Belt, we bury the competition. You know, Judson, before we get to the begging and this week's closed topic, which I promise is extremely inspirational and very serious. What? I had my fingers crossed. Oh, oh, okay. Got it. Continue. Anyway, before we get to all that, I realized that I had wanted to ask you what you thought of the whole notion that the GOP ideological overreach was a thing that was happening particularly lately. You had said at the start of the last segment that it was, you're like testing the waters, right? You were, they were like, no, it was just a thematic sort of through line with the stories of GOP overreach. But you, you were thinking that it was like them you know, just flexing their muscle that they had the power to do this and they were just going to kind of ramp this up. I'm not sure why. I, I, I don't know for sure, but I am a, I'm a, I'm leaning a little bit toward the idea that they're feeling threatened. This is the more like a cornered animal lashing out. Huh. Interesting. We've talked before that the only way they're able to hold onto power is through extremely gerrymandered districts, through uh, ignoring the rules. Minority the, the, rules, the only way they can yeah, do it. It's the, uh, it's, uh, they are a minority. Exploiting every loophole they can possibly find. Neither political party has enough actual members to be a majority. But Republicans in particular, their, their, their positions and their opinions and the, and the 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 culture war Extremely issues they picked unpopular. out are very unpopular. No, but nobody likes them except the very hardcore of the Republican Party. And so I I feel like they're continuing to see that public perception and the and the public positions not go their way. And so I think that they're trying to squeeze tighter to hold on to what they have. And that is that's what the overreach that we're seeing is. They're trying to 
to more firmly grasp power because they feel it starting to ebb. And so what we're seeing is that attempt to clench the fist. Well, it's ham handed or ham fisted. Oh, I guess, it's because terribly done. Exactly. Because they're they're It feels like to me that they're achieving the opposite goal. Oh, that they absolutely are creating their own downfall with these sorts of moves like the Tennessee three. And I wonder if sort of the micro realities that so many people live in make them think that they're not in the minority position. And that's just why I wonder, like I I challenge to an extent that they're doing what you're thinking they might be doing because I feel like some of them, many of them think that they're in the right and the majority agree with them. I I think a lot. I mean, there are some people I think on the right who, who believe that, but I think a lot more of them are Marjorie Taylor green, right? Sure. She's one of them. I think, but a lot more of them, especially at the state level are relatively pragmatic and they, they want power. They want to keep it. They they're just like anybody else uh, on, in that position. I think they can read the polls. They can see okay. the polls. And I don't think that they are hand waving them away as some sort of, you know, liberal media plot. I think they understand that the positions they hold are not popular with the mo- with most people. And so that's why they continue to do things like with Tucker Carlson, where he has to lie and obfuscate these stories in order to convince people that he's on the side of the good and the righteous when we know that yeah, he's not. The only way that they can continue to hold on to power is to to undermine and to abuse the power they currently have. Time is against them. Thank you all so much for listening to the show this week. The Facts and Friends podcast is written, directed, edited, and produced by the two of us with occasional but valuable contributions from a few very smart very funny people. Please don't forget to help keep the show going by spreading the word about it to your friends and followers on social media. Uh, Word of mouth works as well. Also, do take a quick second to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Those help a ton. No, I was just, you were saying that when the podcast is written, directed, edited, and produced by the two of us, and I, I... For some reason, uh, Talladega Nights popped in my head. (laughs) I was like, don't you put that curse on me! Um, (laughs) Funny thing is, last week, when Mike was on the show, I forgot to change this copy. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> and he basically did that. He did exactly what you just described. Like, uh, uh, hey, 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 I didn't do any <laughs> writing, directing, editing, producing. I would like to disassociate myself from this endeavor and anything connected to it. Right. Um. <laughs> well, we had a big close topic planned, but we did this two weeks ago. We have to do it again. We're out of time. We, we're out of time. Okay. So we're going to table this close topic. I'm not going to push it to Patreon. We'll actually use this close topic next week or the week after. It, we had, there was a lot of news. This was a long, this was a long show. Yeah, there's a lot I don't of think news. we've ever covered this many stories before. <laughs> but this is a close topic that you'll want to hear about when we do cover it. Thank you all so much for listening. Please don't forget to support us however you can. We will chat again very soon. Next week, probably. I'll probably almost, be here almost again. Cer- almost certainly next week. <laughs> Freedom and Democracy won in Wisconsin last week as Janet... Okay, let me try this. Protosawitz. Protosawitz, Protosawitz. Protosawitz. Freedom and Democracy won in Wisconsin last week as Janet... Freedom and Democracy won in Wisconsin last week as Janet... Freedom and Democracy won in Wisconsin last week as Janet Protosawitz easily defeated Dan Quack. I can't even say Kelly? I got the Protosawitz and I can't say fucking Kelly? So defeated him as easily as Tito said her name. Uh, <laughs> I fucked up Dan Kelly, man. It's going to be a long night. <laughs>